I am just so excited to be joining you tonight for our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I mentioned that actually TJ and I are pre-recording these Bible studies now, uh, mostly for the sake of our lovely wives who just had babies uh, a few weeks ago. You may remember that TJ had a second child, and uh, just a week or two before that, Caroline and I had our fourth. And so for the sake of our uh, lovely brides, uh, we are pre-recording so that right now as you're watching this, TJ and I can be with our uh, families and be hopefully helping and, you know, doing all the wonderful things about bringing uh, new children into this, uh, into this beautiful world that God has given us. And, um, you know, uh, some people have said, oh man, what a time to bring children into the world. And, uh, you know, I feel really bad for them, but um, I don't, I don't really feel that way at all. I think, you know, God is uh, overseeing this world and Jesus is on the throne and that uh, we are to be people of hope. And, uh, you know, we know who sits on the throne and who is Lord. So um, I can't wait to see uh, what Oaks does for the Lord in his life and how he uses him and uh, little Octavia and wonder what she's going to do for the Lord and in him and in his power. Uh, so, you know, don't give over to despair yet. Um, you know, it is still a season of hope right now. Uh, so anyway, all that to say, we're wrapping up tonight our study of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so for the last several weeks now, we've gone really just sort of line by line to the Lord's Prayer. And I hope you realize just how beautiful that prayer is. And, and especially how deep it is. Uh, you know, um, I think it was uh, Pope Gregory the Great, who was one of the earlier popes in the 300s. Um, he's credited with saying um, this beautiful phrase um, about the Gospel of John. And uh, he describes it such that um, he says it was um, shallow enough for a lamb to wade into, but it was deep enough for an elephant to swim in. And I really find that 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 description applies to like almost every passage of scripture, right? Like you and I can read the Lord's prayer and we can pray it and we can pray it as kids and we can teach our children to pray it um, and we can wade around in it like we're lambs, but it's also so incredibly deep that it's uh, deep enough uh, for us to dive way down into it uh, like an elephant does when he swims around, right? And um, so I hope you've enjoyed this sort of deep dive into the Lord's Prayer. And tonight we're really just going to finish up the Lord's Prayer and uh, now let's read the whole Lord's Prayer, and then we'll talk about that last verse, verse 13, where it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, so I hope you have your Bible with you, and I hope you're ready to take some notes, and I hope you're ready to hear from the Word through His Word. Now let's pray. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, so uh, if you want to find out what uh, Jesus is talking about and how to um, sort of build on your prayer life, uh, I would encourage you to look through the previous uh, videos on this and um, really um, invest as much as you can in your prayer life. Now is a wonderful time uh, to grow as a person of prayer. Uh, but tonight what we're going to look at is what does it mean that you and I are supposed to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. And if you've got the ESV, um, you know, you could also translate that last word evil there as evil one, meaning Satan. But um, we're not going to get there quite yet. What I want you to focus on uh, primarily is this idea of temptation. And so uh, to sort of prime the pump, I do have a question for you, like always. And that is very simply, um, you know, do you think you are good at resisting temptation? You know, are, are you good at saying no to temptation? You know, in the face of temptation, are you good at it? Or do you sort of crumble in the face of temptation? Uh, well, uh, I read this uh, very humor, humorous um, article um, on a scholarly website called JSTOR where all these, you know, academic guys put up these articles. And uh, it was this guy from Northwestern University, I think the one up in Chicago. And uh, anyway, this researcher was trying to understand, uh, you know, how, how do people face temptation? And he studied people uh, doing all kinds of things that were tempting, like smoking. And uh, basically uh, his answer um, seems kind of surprising, but the more I've thought about it, it makes a whole lot of sense. And it helps us, you know, sort of understand this passage, maybe even a little bit more. And, you know, I actually think it helps me understand myself more. And, uh, you know, it's not that this guy's bringing new wisdom or anything, or, you know, no one's ever thought of this. It's just helpful to hear what this researcher said. And basically his, uh, his whole thesis is based around this, that um, it, are we good at you know, resisting temptation or no? The answer, he says, is basically, well, it depends. It depends. And it primarily depends on whether you are in a hot state or a cold state. Uh, so an easy example would be, um, can you resist the temptation of an ice cream cone? Well, I mean, if you've just gotten done eating Thanksgiving lunch and your stomach is full of turkey and, you know, pudding and all kind of crazy stuff, you know, um, you would be in a cold state. So the temptation of an ice cream cone doesn't really affect you. Um, in fact, uh, this is why sometimes people, uh, he says, overestimate their ability to say no to temptation is that they only think about the times when they're in that sort of cold state, when they're not really tempted. Of course, the problem of temptation is what do you do when it's really hot outside and you got some extra cash in your pocket burning a hole and you walk past the ice cream shop across the street from Good Bean? <laughs> or what do you do when you have a little kid with you, like your grandchild or your daughter, and uh, you've got some cash and she really wants ice cream? Well, what are you going to do? Well, you would be in a hot state. You'd be in a position where you may be more highly tempted. And of course, that's his whole premise is that you and I are really, really, really bad at saying no to temptation when we are in a quote, hot state. And uh, if you, you know, study uh, business at all, uh, or if you are into marketing or uh, if you own your own uh, store or you work in, uh, you know, a retail environment or the grocery store environment, uh, you'll know that this is what marketers often talk about. How do you put customers into a hot state? Uh, so um, classic example is, you know, if you own a, um, you know, restaurant in the mall and you are trying to woo people to come buy your food, well, one of the most effective things you can do is take out little bites of your food and put them on toothpicks and hand them out for free. Because actually what that does is that triggers the desire to eat more food, right? And uh, man, that you know, chicken tastes really good, so I should probably go ahead and buy. Um, you know, so marketers would call that putting someone in a hot state. Uh, so um, you know, when it comes to you and me, and are we good at facing temptation, 
Well, uh, what this guy is suggesting to us is that what he has found is actually humans, uh, people made in the image of God, uh, we have a really hard time saying no to temptation when we're in hot states. And, you know, that's really what I think uh, we're to be praying for in this prayer. And I would encourage you to have that maybe bouncing around in your head. You know, in verse 13, Jesus teaches us to pray, um, lead us not into temptation. (laughs) Uh, You know, um, because I know if I get around temptation, that there is a lot of time when I will just absolutely go for it, hook, line, and sinker. And uh, so I think the first answer, you know, the first way to pray this is to understand with humility that you really, no matter how much we may try to work on our moral character and our virtue, um, at the end of the day, uh, there is a weakness embedded within us. Uh, there is this, the, the sinful man that creeps close to us, right? The, um, the old nature before Christ that makes it really hard uh, to master ourselves and to control things. Uh, so um, I think, you know, a lot of times when we're to pray, lead us not into temptation, uh, it, it, it's meant to hearken to us that there is a sense that you and I need to be very sober in our self-assessment. Uh, we need to be very sober-minded when we look at how well we can face temptation. Uh, because I think part of what we're supposed to understand is we're supposed to be able to pray with humility and honesty. Lord, if, I, if you keep putting me in, in a path that's going to be tempting, I'm going to go for it. And I don't want to do that. You know, the, the heart cry of a person who has been born again, that has the Holy Spirit of God um, dwelling within them, that is immersed in his Holy Spirit, we don't want to sin. Um, and we, are, we know how easy it is for our flesh to give over to temptation. And so when we pray, we just need to pray, Lord, don't let us go down that path. Lead us away from temptation. But of course, now that, uh, if, if you haven't caught it already, you know, that does kind of bring up, you know, kind of a funny question, which is, you know, well, if we're supposed to ask God, please don't put us on a path towards temptation. Does that mean that God does tempt us? I mean, doesn't God orchestrate everything in our life? Does God tempt us? Uh, well, uh, you know, the, the Bible actually answers that question really specifically. And in the book of James, uh, James tells us in verse James 1, verse 13, James 1, 13 says this, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And so what James is saying is that it's not that God tempts us, uh, because God can't tempt anybody. He doesn't want us to sin. Uh, But the irony, of course, is that we do face a lot of temptations in life. And we know that God oversees our world. So which is it? So how can it be that God doesn't actually tempt us, and yet we constantly face temptation? Well, um, that is a tough, tough question to answer, Uh, but I I think there is an answer. And I think you have to look at more passages to sort of get at what I think is going on in our life. And uh, if you go back to James, I think the answer lies really in what James is saying. And so what I want you to notice in James, if you can flip to the book of James, it's at the end of the Bible. In James chapter one, James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, 
And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, so James says right there in verse 2 that you and I are going to meet various trials in this life. But those trials exist for us to grow steadfast in our faith. But then James goes on, he says, but don't be mistaken. God doesn't tempt us to sin. And uh, it may be helpful for you to know that in the original language in Greek, that word trial there and that word temptation, it's the same word. Uh, In Greek, the word temptation could also be translated as trial. And so I guess uh, if I could explain it in a more simple way, I would say that it's very possible for the Lord to put us through trials that test our faith, but God doesn't tempt us. Or you could say it this way, uh, God's not going to tempt you to sin, but he is going to lead you to be tested. And if that seems kind of like a strange um, answer, that God is going to let your faith be tested and he's going to put you through trials, but God doesn't want you to be tempted by sin. He doesn't want you to sin. If that's hard to wrap your mind around, well, I think the easiest way to see how those two things make sense is to look at the life of Jesus. Uh, You know, in Matthew chapter four, right after Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the water, in Matthew chapter four, it tells us this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, right there, what we see is the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into a uh, excruciating trial of his faith. Uh, God is not the one doing the tempting. Satan is the one doing the tempting. Uh, but Jesus is led by the Spirit to go through a season of testing and trial. And so I think for you and me, you know, we may be facing that season right now. Um, I know I'm feeling that. Uh, for myself that, you know, I don't think God is tempting me to sin at all. Um, Far be it from me, that would be blasphemy to say that God's tempting me to sin. Uh, But I do believe that God is putting us through trials and he is testing us to see what comes out. Um, You know, um, just like the refiner's fire can remove uh, any impurities from silver or gold, right? Um, I think God can put us through tests and trials, even though he's not tempting us. And the goal is that we would come out more pure and holy through it. And of course, Jesus is the one who goes through the wilderness and is tempted three times by the devil and says no each time. And really that's what starts Jesus's earthly ministry in a lot of ways is saying no to temptation. Uh, So all that to say, um, I think seeing what's going on in our world, seeing what's going on in your family and in your work, I think this is a, a powerful word uh, for us right now that um, if you can get that lens, you know, um, those, those lenses in front of your eyes, I am going through a test of my faith and I can come out of this stronger. Um, our church is going through the, one of the hardest trials I can imagine uh, in our history of uh, not being able to worship, not knowing which direction to go. We are facing a test and a trial Uh, But God is not behind any of the temptation to sin. And there can be hope that we pass these tests. I think that um, helps us shape a lot of our prayer life, right? And so when um, we get back to prayer in Matthew chapter 6, when we say, lead us not into temptation, uh, what we're saying is, Jesus, uh, you know, Father, please don't lead us to be tempted. We don't want to be tempted. Um, Help us to endure through 
this trial. And of course, he goes on and he says, deliver us from evil. You know, help us to overcome uh, evil itself. Um, we need to be delivered from this evil. Um, you know, I think uh, when I think about that um, idea that we're supposed to, um, you know, not be led in temptation and be delivered from evil, I try to think of some passages in scripture where uh, we see examples of people who have, you know, demonstrated this. Um, you know, I think about uh, Joseph who fled from Potiphar's wife. You know, he, he literally ran the other way um, uh, from the temptation. Um, he asked, you know, uh, he's praying, you know, God, I don't want to be, you know, uh, tempted by this. So he just runs away. Uh, you think about uh, Proverbs chapter 7. And uh, Proverbs 7 is a wonderful passage on avoiding temptation. It's a father, you know, it's Solomon writing to his sons. And in Proverbs chapter 7, what he's describing is he's saying, don't go near uh, the adulteress's home. You know, don't even walk down her road. Um, and he looks at the simpletons and these simpletons are hanging out at night and they're walking down the path. He says, don't you understand that um, it's better for you just to avoid it completely? Don't even, you know, put yourself in that position. And, uh, you know, I think that's a lot of the heart cry of a believer is, uh, you know, that humility of, hey, if I'm, I'm if, if, you know, I run into temptation, if I'm in the wrong state, <laughs> right, and uh, I'm in the wrong state more than I am in the right state, probably, uh, I am probably going to give over to temptation. So Jesus, empower me through this. Uh, so uh, hopefully that's helping you understand how that's going to shape your prayer life. Uh, the only other thing I'll add under the, this passage is um, when it says deliver us from evil, um, a, a totally legitimate uh, translation is also right. Deliver us from the evil one. Uh, of course, both of those would be theologically accurate. You should be praying that, you know, God deliver me from evil. And we also know, as we talked about this past Sunday, that a lot of times we are interacting with a spiritual world that we don't see, but that we do experience. And our battle is not between flesh and blood, but um, sort of the evil uh, spirits in the spiritual realm. Uh, so I, I, I do think Jesus would um, have us remember that, you know, Satan is prowling around like a lion seeking to devour us, right? So, um, you know, however you want to pray that, I, I think both of them are, are permissible. And um, I would say this is also where um, the way that I've hopefully been um, showing you to pray the Lord's Prayer is not just verbote, word by word, say it as fast as you can, don't mean it, uh, but more to pray it morning, evening, and night, and take each phrase and try to expand upon it and think about the implications and say, uh, you know, our Father. Um, when I'm praying, I'm thinking of all of God's people. You're not just my Father, you're our Father. Help me to love my other Christians with whom I disagree. Um, you're my Father. I know that you love me. You have my best interests in mind. Uh, that you say that I'm your beloved child. You know, it's a, it's a way of praying that's not just, um, a, you know, a, a poem to be said, right? Uh, it's an outline of a beautiful and rich and deep prayer life, right? The memorized short version, that's, you know, waiting around like a lamb. Uh, it may be time for you to take a deep dive and start praying like an elephant, right? And going into the depth of all of these. So you could pray to be delivered from evil and to be uh, aware uh, uh, of Satan's deceptions and the ways that he lies to us. Uh, so um, the last thing I'll say uh, for this evening, um, it's going to come out of the book of Hebrews and uh, the reason I, I mention it is because there's a wonderful little book 
uh, about temptation from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I, you know, you, you've probably never heard me talk about him before, right? Uh, but Bonhoeffer, my favorite theologian, has a wonderful little book on temptation. And he basically says that um, our theology, our understanding of God's truth should shape us so much that we admit that we are no good in front of temptation. Our only capacity to say no to temptation in a way that's God-honoring, that the Holy Spirit would have us do, is if Christ through us, Christ within us, says no to temptation. Uh, by myself, I cannot say no to temptation. I need the very Holy Spirit of God to say no through me. And that's the kind of power that the Holy Spirit gives to his people. That's what it means to be immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. That, um, you know, no temptation has come upon a person uh, that um, other people haven't faced and that he doesn't give us a way out of. That's what uh, Paul tells us is that uh, we have a way out of every temptation if we would lean on the Holy Spirit within us, not in our own power or our own virtue or our own self-control. Um, that's leaning on the flesh. Uh, what you and I need to do is lean in the, to the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of Christ within us. And uh, I'll tell you, that, that may sound kind of abstract. So uh, what I want you to do is flip over to the book of Hebrews. Let me make sure I get the verse right. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, I'll, I'll make the case of how this could work. If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews... It says in Hebrews chapter 4, if you go to verse 15 and 16, hopefully you've got a chance to flip through that. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, the author of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, the book of Hebrews is just, it's, you know, I'll cry if I talk too much about it. It's just such a beautiful book. Um, in a lot of ways, my goal as your pastor is to equip the saints enough that one day, uh, you and I will be able to go through the book of Hebrews as a preaching series. So uh, it's going to take us a couple years to get there, but uh, know that that is going to be a life goal of mine to preach through the book of Hebrews. And um, it's so powerful what these verses are teaching us. Um, you know, he's saying, um, you know, to, um, he, said, he uses negatives. We do not have a high priest who is unable, uh, but if we could just flip it to the positive, what he's saying is we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. You know, Jesus understands our weakness in our hot states. He understands that in the face of temptation, uh, we're going to go for it hook, line, and sinker. But the great news is we have a high priest, someone who is our intermediary between God and us, the holy God and sinful people. We've got somebody standing in the gap, making atonement, um, cleaning us up so that we can approach God's throne and ask for grace and expect to get it. And that is Jesus. And he says, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted in every respect 
Um, he has been tempted just like we have in every respect. That's what verse 15 says. Who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus never sinned once. And now that very spirit of Christ dwells within us by faith in him. And so when you and I face temptation, um, our, our goal should not to be simply just very self-willed people who rely on our own flesh. Uh, we need to be people who are dependent and led and keep in step with the spirit of Jesus so that we rely on his power. And so we say things like, Lord, lead us not into temptation, because if you put me on this path, if, you, if I'm in this trial, I am going to go for it hook, line, and sinker. Holy Spirit, I need your power to say no to this sin. And in Christ, we can say no to sin. In Christ, we are more than conquerors in Christ. Uh, this is the power of Christ within us. Uh, when Jesus says that you and I will be set free and whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. Um, he's not just saying we're freed from condemnation um, in hell for eternity. What he's saying is we are freed from the power and the temptation of sin because the spirit of him who turned away from every temptation dwells within our spirit. His spirit and our spirit are like this, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Uh, so really, uh, this is a way of elevating the Holy Spirit within you, relying on his power and also growing in humility, knowing yourself deeper and your ability to grow um, humble is all contingent on knowing that in the face of temptation, we fail, but Christ in us allows us to have new power in this life. Um, so like I said, that's a lot embedded um, into the Lord's prayer, uh, but hopefully that gives you a lot to think about and um, reminds you of the power of God at work within you. Um, it, it's different than maybe you're conceptualizing it before, uh, but friends, um, this is the power of Christ in you that you and I can grow in our sanctification and become more like Christ um, in a way, in a way <laughs> that humbles us and acknowledges our utter, utter dependence on his spirit at work within us and makes much, much more of his Holy Spirit at work. Now, friends, that's an invitation to rethink the trials that you're going through, this current testing that our church is facing, and a new way of maybe looking at temptation. Uh, friends, I hope your prayer life has grown because of this. Uh, if it hasn't, you know, ignore everything I've said and just focus on prayer. Uh, here, let's close in prayer and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday at the same time with a brand new series that I hope and trust that you are going to love. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, that you would not lead our church into temptation, uh, Lord, but that you would deliver us um, from evil and from hating one another and from Satan and any forces that are at work against us. And Lord, we pray that not just for our church, but for every church in the valley uh, Lord, would you make the bond of peace very strong right now? Uh, Lord, would we uh, not keep a record of wrongs against one another, but would we forgive one another? Uh, Lord, we pray for every uh, pastor and church leadership team that is wrestling with reopening. Lord, would you give them wisdom and insight and Holy Spirit, would they trust you?
And lastly, Lord, we pray for ourselves, uh, Lord, that in the face of temptation, that your Holy Spirit uh, would be close to us and we would rely on his power to say no. Lord Jesus, have mercy. We love you. And Lord, would you come soon? Amen. Thanks, guys. And we can't wait to see you soon.